Yeah, let's go. Okay, so good morning. Um, this is a bit of an experiment that we're trying this morning. So you get two preachers for the price of one. Twice um, as long. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um, so this is something we haven't done before. Um, so as an experiment, it could be a disaster. But we are hoping that it will be a helpful way of us engaging with God's word um, and hearing what God might be saying into our church as we start this new series, Church Everywhere. So we have, uh, you might not know this, but Melinda and I and our pastoral team and lots of people from here at Richmond, we have conversations behind the scenes all the time. You might have picked up that we get excited about talking about church and the Bible and God's story and what it means to be Jesus followers. Uh, And we read and we listen. And when we get to speak at other places or do workshops or be part of conferences, we're also listening and stealing all the best ideas and being inspired by them uh, and sharing what God's doing here. And so part of this and part of this series that we're entering into is sharing some of that conversation with you. So we thought we'd actually try and have that conversation today. Yes, which could be dangerous because sometimes when we have conversations, they do go for a long time. But I do really like that idea that sometimes we think of preaching as someone standing at the front telling us what to do, which it never is. We're all part of this conversation that we're having week by week with God, with one another, uh, with what, and with God's Word. Um, and so the focus of this series, Church Everywhere, we're really asking a couple of questions. What does it mean to be church family? So what does it mean to be church and family together as a, as a community, as a collective, particularly here at Richmond, um, but maybe more broadly as well? But what does it mean to be church family in our day-to-day? So it's easy to see when we come together on a Sunday morning like this and we're sitting here together, we are church family and that's how we talk about ourselves and we do these things together like praising God and having lunch and, and listening to God's word. But what does it mean day by day when you go into your house and your street and your neighbourhood? When you go to your workplace or your school, the people that you hang out with, you go to the gym with, you, the people, that's, um, the mums that you connect with in your um, group, the, whatever it is that you do day by day during the week in our relationships, in our interactions and just our encounters with people, how do we carry that identity as church family at Richmond into that? We don't just want to think about it and talk about it as well. We want to learn how to practice it together. We want to figure out together What does it mean to live this out? What does it mean to live this out as church family? What does it mean uh, to practice, to put into practice new habits, new rhythms that might help us to engage well as Jesus followers everywhere, everywhere we are, Uh, especially in those places, as Melinda's mentioned, where we spend most of our time? That's me. (laughs) This is fun. It's a rough plan of what we're doing. I think you're going to talk about it more. Where, where we think we need to start is talking about who we are. What does it mean to be the church family? Uh, because I think sometimes in a world around us, I watch people trying to figure out their identity and figure out what their primar- primary identity is. What's their first identity? And for us, it, it might be easy that for us to blurt out that we're Christian first, but in a world of competing worldviews and ideas and stories to live by and priorities, there's lots of things that compete for first place in who we are in our identity. We see that in the way we end up living out life. Um, Some of the ways that can happen is uh, with our families. Sometimes it can be hard to figure out what it means to be part of Jesus' family when we also have uh, a family that we're related to. What does it mean to have that uh, Jesus' family as our first priority in our lives? Because we're we're more than just our relatives, more than our family name. Our family name when we're adopted into the Jesus' family becomes Christian. That's who we are. Uh, It's more than just being Australian. Often we have this competition between what it means to have a national identity and a Christian identity. We can see this playing out in America in lots of ways at the moment in their politics, this wrestle uh, that goes on. But we're more, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, 
than just being Australian and all the good that that is, but also all the really challenging things and confronting things and conflicting things with what that is compared to being a follower of Jesus. We're also more than what we do. So many people in Australia are defined by their career or their vocation. That becomes their primary identity. But as followers of Jesus, we're Christians first and doctors and lawyers and teachers and uh, anything else we might be second. Um, We're also more than just the people we spend time with or the people that we vote alongside or that we share interests with. We might call this the kind of tribe that we're part of. Uh, Lots of us end up in different sorts of tribes and there can be a a competition between what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to be a member of that tribe. But we are more than just the tribes or the people or the friendship groups or the interest groups that we're part of. We're part of the global church family. An important part here at Richmond for us to learn and listen is to listen to voices that go far beyond Adelaide, far beyond this neighbourhood and this church, far beyond even the Baptist family of churches here in Adelaide, and to listen to voices and learning and and people that are practising following Jesus from all over the world. But one of the symbols that we share, one of the initiations that we share, that shows us who we are, that is a, a marker, an identity flag of who we are in Christ, is baptism. And it's a symbol of initiation. It's an, it's an opportunity for us to declare to ourselves, to King Jesus and to others, this is where I belong. This is the family that I belong to. Uh, it's an entry right. It's a rite of passage in some ways. Um, and so baptism is part of who we are uh, as well. Yeah, I love how the Bible talks about baptism kind of as you're baptised into a family. So you're baptised in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, you know, identifying as a child of God, but you're baptised into this family that is made up of people across the whole world, throughout history, um, and that becomes your core identity. And this probably sounds really corny, but I always think of it how um, often we attach Christian as though it's an adjective to other things that we do. So like, I'm a Christian teacher, or I'm a Christian lawyer, or I'm a Christian doctor, or I'm a Christian Australian. But I think we actually, the Bible encourages us to flip that around, and actually Christian is our core identity. I am a Christian who also happens to teach, or I'm a Christian who also happens to practice law. Does that make sense? So it's kind of, it's our primary identity. Um, And I've been really challenged and encouraged by trying to live that out. But what's really challenged me talking through this series um, with Elliot is what would it look like to apply that kind of thinking to what it means to be Richmond, to what it means to be a church family here? Because this is our local expression of that. We're part of this worldwide, global, historical, massive um, community of people that one day we'll gather with in the billions um, and sing God's praises. But for today, we're part of this local expression. Look around you. These are the people that are your family. This is the space um, that we share. This is the neighbourhood that we're trying to reach out to. These are the values that we speak about and remind ourselves of each week, week by week. Um, You are, you know, you each have gifts to offer and this is the community that you give those gifts to as you serve, as you lead, um, as you practice your faith. And what would it mean for me and for all of us to think about that as we go into our workplaces and our streets and our neighbourhoods, that I am a member of the Richmond family, that's my identity, and I take that identity um, wherever I go. And so I guess a bit like baptism is the, would you say, initiation? Initiation, Initiation or the entrance um, into the global church. I guess we talk about something like membership um, into this church as being like our initiation, and that can sound a bit formal and a bit practical, um, because I think membership is a, a weird word in our culture. You can become a member essentially any time you go to a shop. They say, do you want to become a member? And you get this like, loyalty card. And what does that even mean? Um, but the Bible talks about us being members of one another like members of a body. 
And we actually say, no, these are the people that I am a part of and they are a part of me. And when they hurt, I hurt. And when they rejoice, I rejoice. Um, And so we would love membership here to be something that we see as that. It's making a commitment to say, I'm a part of this local community. I am all in. These are my people. This is my family. This is my neighbourhood, whether you live in it or not. But this is, you know, this is where we as a community, as a collective, are seeking to be the presence of Jesus. Um, Yeah. That's good. So both baptism and membership... Uh, in themselves are just part of a, a process. They're a symbol. They're a process. They're, there's no magic in baptism. There's no, um, there's no magic, and you de- definitely don't get a gift card for becoming a, a member right. of Richmond. But there's something really powerful that happens as you go through both of those processes. There's an identification, a renewal, um, a sense that the Holy Spirit can use baptism in a way that's really powerful for people, both for yourself as you go through that journey, but also for those who are witnessing it. It's such a, uh, you ever wondered why people cry and laugh and celebrate when people get baptized? Because I think the Holy Spirit is reminding us of our identification in the, in the global church, the body of Christ, and reminding us of our stories of being included in that family. And membership is similar. Uh, and so we want to put an invitation out to you uh, as a church uh, to invite you to take the step of baptism. We're talking to a couple of people about that uh, behind the scenes. Some of those conversations have been going longer than others. Maybe today's a prompt. Uh, we would love to see uh, those of us who haven't yet taken that step think about what it could mean for yourself and for us as a community to take the steps of baptism and membership. So we want to invite you even today over um, barbecue later on to have a chat to us uh, about getting baptised, about becoming a member uh, of this local church. Yeah, for sure. And I guess from here, for the rest of what we want to talk about this morning, we're kind of talking to those people who have said, yes, I'm in. So, you know, there may be some of you here who haven't yet decided whether you are in and you want to follow Jesus, um, or there may be some of you here that are just kind of checking Richmond out and haven't decided whether you want to invest in this local community. Um, you feel free to eavesdrop on the rest of what we're saying. But really what we're talking about is what does it mean for us mm-hmm. who are here, a part of this family? What does it look like for us to carry that identity with us? So I want to um, turn to something that Jesus said. You can look up a Bible if you want. It's only a few short verses, so you can also just listen. But Jesus talked about this in a number of ways. But in this passage, he gives us a couple of images that hopefully are helpful um, for us to connect with. So Jesus says, you, as in you, plural, are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it become salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown away and trampled underfoot. And you, collectively, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then cover it with a bowl. No, they put it on a stand so that it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus talks about us as being the salt and the light. Uh, And we've unpacked these here before, but it's always good to do. And the salt one, I think, in particular, I think I preached on this last time and then Elliot says to me this week, I don't think I've ever heard anyone explain that well. Uh, Thanks for that. (laughs) So I get to have another go today. Um, So what is salt? I mean, for us, salt predominantly is about seasoning and it's about flavour. And that's certainly a really key part of this image. Salt is something that brings out the flavour. It doesn't actually necessarily have its own flavour, it brings out the flavour in what in everything else, in what is there. But also in Jesus' day, you're talking long, long time before electricity, salt was a key preservative. So it's actually what you use to preserve food, to keep it lasting for longer. So this idea of both preserving and flavouring seems to be what Jesus is talking about. 
So if we, because all the yous in this passage are plural, one of the limitations of the English language, we have no word for plural you. I thought about yous guys, but it's, it's really <laughs> y'all. Um, but yeah, all in the languages of the Bible, there's a word, you know, there's a different word for you singular and you plural. And in this passage, it's all plural. It's about us as the family of God. We, we might say, are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. So how do we both preserve and bring flavour to the world? And the idea of salt I love is that salt has to scatter. Salt that's just kind of sitting in a clump in the salt shaker or in a rock in the earth doesn't do either of those things. It's only when you scatter it and you use it. And so it's a great image for me of what it means to be the church scattered. That as we go out into our week, we're all in different places. Some of us are going to connect with each other in different ways throughout the week, and we'll talk a bit about that later. But we are still salt together. We still have that core identity that the job that we have to do or the mission that we have together is to both preserve, and I think that's about kind of maintaining or even um, upholding all the goodness of God's creation. God has made this world, and he longs for there to be justice uh, and for there to be compassion and mercy and grace. And those things are happening because God is at work in the world through even those people who don't know him. But our job is to preserve that and to be a part of that and then to bring it out, to bring out that flavour wherever we are, to kind of bring it to the surface, to whet people's appetite, to make them excited about us connecting that with Jesus. And the thing I liked about the idea of salt too is that even if you just have one grain of salt, even if you think you're out there on your own and you're not connected to anyone else, it's still salt. We don't actually talk about it as like, ah, salt. It's just salt. It's still a part of the community, of the collective. Um, and so wherever we are, each one of us and whatever we're doing, if we see ourselves as a part of both the family of Jesus worldwide and the family of Richmond, we carry that identity into every place that we go. How to go? Does that slightly make sense about what salt? I think it was fantastic. The only bit you missed is that you promised when you talked about salt scattering that you don't go like that. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) The next part of the the words that Jesus says, Ryan, it was funny, all right. The, the next part of the story that Jesus tells there is about light. And I want to emphasize the collective nature of light there. Jesus describes light as a city on a hill. Um, this week, we got to go camping woo-hoo, uh, for the first time this summer. And we spent a night on a hill in, down in Normanville. And we had a view looking back up towards the city. And you could see the light pollution. But you could see the glow of the city uh, on the plains down the road um, of Adelaide. This idea that all these lights together could make such a difference in that area. Um, light collecting together. I think what Jesus is doing here too, as he speaks to the Pharisees and the people of God and their imagination of what it means to be the people of God, he's challenging them that their light has in fact become invisible. And he's saying that's the alternative. That's what, that's what you've become. But here is what I want you to be. I want you to be a collective city on a hill. Your lights combined together to be a beacon of hope to the world around you, to your neighbourhood, to your wider city, uh, a sign to all people as lights do, uh, shining on things, bringing life and colour to things, pointing towards what could be, what's meant to be, Um, also helping people find their way. There's this sense that lights are used to show uh, the way. These are all things, I think, wrapped up in that image of light there. Uh, I think, too, that we're meant to see light as a contrast to darkness. So there's an invitation as the people of God to think about what does it mean together to live out a contrasting story, a different story, a new story, uh, something that's different to the narrative of the world around us, something that challenges but also encourages what's happening around us. Um, I think uh, what I want to underline out of what Jesus is saying there is that the collective light, the, the city on a hill, multiplies the impact that we can have. 
And so there's this sense that, uh, yes, we're scattered. Yes, we find ourselves in all different places and we can bring out the flavor, sometimes together, sometimes separately. But also there is lots of things that if we pull together, use our gifts together, uh, securing our identity as family together, on mission together, we can see all sorts of great multiplying impact happen in our neighborhood and beyond. So you're going to hate me bringing this up, but I think there's a really good example of that just this last week. So if you weren't here last week, we have been embarrassing Elliot because he was named Citizen of the Year by our local council. Um, so you know, yes. <laughs> we're having fun with that. But it's also a really good example because it's actually our local community, the wider neighbourhood, mm. seeing the light and noticing it and, and recognising it. And I want to emphasise... Uh, thank you again. But um, I want to emphasise the collective effort that that award represents. So in this situation, I've been, I've been recognised as a single person in that award, but the reality is uh, the groups that I get to work with, the people that I get to work with, the teams that I get to work with, both here at Richmond and in the wider community, um, this for me is, I, I think, a good example, as much as I don't want to talk about it, of where our collective effort is acting as a beacon of hope, as a sign, as a light, as a contrast of changing the story of our neighbourhood. So I'll let you get away with that one. Thanks. Yeah. And the challenge then is how do we all do that? So, um, you know, you might look at that and go, well, I'm never going to be voted citizen of the year by my local council, <laughs> certainly what I would think. But how do we each be inspired by that? It's going to look different for different ones of us. Some of us have opportunity to be across a range of things in the same community like Elliot, and others of us actually find ourselves in various communities throughout the week you know, here at Richmond, where we work, where we live, where we play. So what does it look like in practice for each one of us? Mm. And that's part of what we want to do over the next few weeks is get you to imagine what does this look like for me? What does it look like in my household? What does it look like in my street? Um, what does it look like in my neighbourhood? And how do we actually be inspired by each other and let that collective sense of, of being light actually encourage us, maybe keep us a little bit accountable um, and push us forward and motivate us to it. So my local community where I live has these dinners once a month um, and I've missed the last couple but I went to one last night. Um, you know, and I, part of it is actually being inspired by the kind of stuff we talk about here at Richmond and go, this is who I want to be. I want to be someone that connects with my neighbourhood and seeks to be salt and light. It doesn't actually make it easy. I still find it really awkward. Um, you know, it's hard to do on my own. It would be so much better if there was at least one other Richmond person there, you know, but there isn't in, my, in that particular community at the moment. Um, but it's, it's letting that, that kind of corporate identity that we carry inspire us and motivate us. So I want to ask you what that looks like in practice for you in your workplace. Maybe for some of you, you can be inspired by each other, but you also, also might find ways to connect with other people. Like, is there anybody else in your local neighbourhood from our church? Is there anybody else in your work that you might connect with during the week? If there's not, where are there other ways that we can be connecting and encouraging each other and inspiring each other as we try and live this out in practice? probably got some better practical examples of that. I think you. I want to make sure that what we're hearing whenever we talk about things like this is that it's not just about adding more things to life. We live in really busy times with lots of things going on, uh, lots of commitments, lots of requirements, uh, lots of things that we have to be part of. Um, and so I think I want to make the point that this is about integration and not addition to our lives. So lots Math's of what we nerd. do. Yeah. Um, lots, of, <laughs> lots, of, lots of what we do when we think about this is, oh, where am I going to fit this in? How do I have time for that? What does that mean I have to add into my life? Uh, but what we're learning as a family, but also I think as a church, is that it's often just about thinking about what am I already doing and how can I shift some of my attitudes and postures to go with that? And so I want to talk about 
uh, an attitude of intentionality. Uh, that's something that's shifted for us and our family and thinking about our neighbourhood um, and moving to a new street and what it means to connect with people around us and just having a real uh, attitude of intentionality, a desire, proactive kind of planning and thinking about how can we um, not just randomly or accidentally bump into people but purposefully seek out those opportunities. Uh, some of those things also are thinking about there are some things I'm already doing in my week in my life. What would it look like to just include some different kinds of people in those spaces? So things like sharing meals, uh, shifting our idea of hospitality from I need to make a night, a special night where I set the table and prepare a three-course MasterChef-inspired meal uh, and make a big deal of it to we're already sharing, sharing dinner. What would it look like to just make a little bit extra and include some people in that? Uh, and so we're already building that in. Uh, what does it look like? I'm already going to these places. What does it mean for me to invite someone else along with me, to include them in my uh, trip to the markets for shopping or whatever it might be uh, that I'm doing rather than just doing it uh, on our own? Um, I think this is particularly useful in a neighbourhood. It, it applies to all of the areas, but in a neighbourhood we can see this really well. And I think Sarah does a really good job of this in our neighbourhood. Uh, Sarah went for a walk the other night. Uh, she takes the dog for a walk at a certain time and tries to connect with people uh, in our neighbourhood. And just in one walk, we, connect, um, we connected the other night with George and Vicky, residents of their home for the last 48 years. George is a chanter in the local Greek Orthodox Church, uh, but also he's my new seed supplier for vegetables. Uh, and he gave us a load of cuttings for some herbs. So uh, just a really uh, fantastic connection to make with somebody in the neighbourhood who's, as Sarah does a good job of finding out, find, she's found out that their kids all live interstate. Their family doesn't actually live in Adelaide. And so you've got this elderly couple just down the street from us that we can connect with and love and include. Uh, and just by being intentional and going for a, a walk with the dog. Yeah, you know? yeah that's cool. And that, mm. that salt and light, I was talking to an older couple at this dinner last night, same thing, their family are all interstate. I mean, you know, and they brought up the fact that in Australian society there's actually been a whole bunch of research recently done by the government that just having connections with your neighbours actually extends your health and your life expectancy, mm. you know, and that's one of the key issues in our society is people are isolated and lonely. So what does it look like for us to be light and soul and connect with them? Um, I think a bunch of the words we're, we're going to talk about today you've heard before if you've been at Richmond for a while because we use them over and over, but that's what's helpful if you, you hear the same language and it gets in your mind and you start to try and practice it and live it out. So being intentional is really key. Um, another word that I find really helpful in thinking about this is the idea of rhythm. Um, so I'm going to joke about Richmond rhythms. I think that was your phrase that you came up with. But much as I might think the phrase is corny, the idea of rhythm <laughs> I find really helpful. I know for me, when I first came to this church about four or four, four or five years ago, um, it took a while. You know, there were weeks you come in and you're like, I don't really know people yet and stand around a bit awkwardly and then just leave because there's no more conversations to be had <laughs> on a Sunday morning. And, and that takes a long time to really feel like a part of the family and to build those connections. But starting to try and practice some of the rhythms. So for me, I found when I was coming to church each week um, with the intention that I'm actually going to hang around. So um, if you don't know this, if basically if you hang around long enough after church each week, there'll be lunch. Like someone will organise food at some point. Um, it just, just happens. Or you can organise it if you're hanging around, you know. But, you know, coming with that intention rather than going, okay, I'm going to church and it finishes at 11.30 so I'll be home by 12. But actually, intentionally, intentionality and rhythm, um, my rhythm is, you know, how, how do I hang out with these people and build those relationships and let this be family? And then getting in a gospel group, so where we're meeting um, on a regular rhythm, whether it's every week or every fortnight and you're connecting with people um, was really helpful. And then I've been reading the Bible one-on-one, -on -one, which is something we really want to encourage and have encouraged over the last couple of years with someone from Richmond. And so Lauren and I meet up 
Um, sometimes it's, in a like lately we've been meeting a park that's near where she lives and where I work. And so it's kind of connected to the rhythm of our daily lives. And we're reading the Bible, so we're learning about Jesus. But we're also talking about the same language that we're talking about on Sundays. And we're con- making those connection points um, to who we are as a family here at Richmond. And then praying with other people um, and connecting online. And it's kind of building those multiple connection points into my daily rhythm that for me has made it really helpful to say, yeah, this is, this is my family. This is who I am. This is what I'm a part of. It's good. So we want to be intentional and we want to build uh, really healthy rhythms, um, but we also want to make sure we've got the right posture. Here we go, Richmond Bingo, for those that are playing bingo. Um, This idea that um, some of it's got to do with our attitude, our awareness, our kind of openness and responsiveness to what's happening around us. Because I think there is a way to live life. This is certainly true when we're tired and busy and stressed, where you just do the things and you're not aware of what's happening around you. So making sure that we have a, an openness and a responsiveness to, and even a creating of space so that we can react to what's happening around us and have the time um, to respond. Uh, for me, this worked out well the other night. Our neighbours across the road like to engage with us all the time, which is, makes it really easy um, to make friends with them. So I got to spend an evening at their house uh, drinking ouzo and eating cheese, and it was good fun. And didn't realise that it was quarter to one when I crossed the road again. So luckily it was Adelaide Cup Day on the Monday. And anyway, Australia Day it was. Um, anyway, so uh, openness to hanging out with neighbours. And we had a good night together. Um, a few other stories I just want to point out in terms of being open and responsive and what can happen. Being aware of, of where you are and what's going on. Um, so um, Adrian shared with us last week. Um, we're really proud of his um, courage and vulnerability as he shared his journey. Uh, but part of that story in our community is that on the Friday before Adrian and I had met up and talked about some of the stuff that was going on and some of the things coming up, you can ask Adrian about this later if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, and then he turns up at school, and Brad also works at the school, uh, and they have a conversation together. And there was an openness and, and responsiveness from Brad to spend some time with Adrian and sit down with him and talk with him and and journey with him. And I know we all don't work in the same places, but for me, it's a really great example of being in community, being family together, but also just being aware and open um, to what's happening around us. Another story, um, one of our um, church family members um, had an accident, actually drove into a shop recently, um, and uh, one of our pastors happened to be in the shop next door. So we're in the same neighbourhood, they're shopping in the same places, um, our, our, uh, our pastor who was part of this, I'm just protecting um, identities for the sake of embarrassment and things like that, by the way. But um, I like the story because one, one of our church family members, again, was in the same shopping centre, ran next door when the accident happened, not knowing it was a Richmond family member who was in the car in the accident, just ran next door to help. Um, and was able to be a really important part of the journey in terms of recovery and the shock and just connecting and family. Again, another story for me of openness, responsiveness, um, neighbourhood and family all, all tied up together. Yeah, that's great. And it is easier, obviously, if we're living in proximity and working in, you know, and, and connecting in proximity, and that doesn't always work for all of us. Um, it's, a, it's a good you know, challenge, I think, to think about long-term, what does it mean to live a more integrated life where you're in the same communities? Um, but even for those of us who are a bit more dispersed, I think there's heaps of other ways that we can do this as well and have this posture of connecting with each other. Um, hasn't been as great... It's uh, great, that's a bad word. Hasn't been as active recently, but we have this women's Facebook group, the Women of Richmond, and we've prayed for each other and people have shared 
great stories. And if you haven't seen it yet, Tammy, who is in Tanzania but is a member of our family, um, just shared with the women last night and asked some questions. And I know Casey's here, but she was up at 2 a.m. responding um, to Tammy <laughs> and, and, you know, and just talking through stuff. And so there's really easy ways that we have of staying in touch with people, um, of just letting people know what's going on in our daily lives. You know, we're sending a text and saying, this is what's happening for me at work. Can you pray for me? Um, I was in a car accident a few weeks ago and um, my car was written off. And so I'm standing there on the side of the road and I had all the stuff that was in my car. I'm like, I could walk home because it's not that far, but, you know, my back's hurting and I've got all this stuff. And so I picked up the phone and called Karen because she doesn't live too far from me. Can you come pick me up? You know, where are we We kind of looking out for each other and, and asking? That can be the hardest thing, I reckon, is actually just asking someone, just being willing to put it out there. And I'm really encouraged by the bravery of people who do things like that, who just send like a text message, um, again, not want to embarrass anyone this week, saying, you know, here's what's going on for me. Can you be praying for me? Can we, you know, can we catch up? Can we talk about this? Um, so I'd really encourage you to think about the ways that you can be doing that um, with individuals, maybe online, maybe through your gospel group. Mm. Um, the other thing I'll say, which I think we've shared before, but one of the things that really changed our gospel group late last year um, was when we had this night where, I don't even really know how it happened, I don't know if anyone else remembers, um, but we basically asked each other, Instead of how can we pray for you, what can we do for you? Um, and it's kind of scary to be brave and to actually put it out there and say, well, actually, I have this really practical need. Can anyone in the group help? Um, but it was amazing how people were able to and respond to. I was still a little bit nervous. One day someone's going to say something. We're all going to go, I don't know how to do that, but, but, but we'll figure it out. But again, I really challenge you to be willing. If you want to invest in this community, be brave and put it out there. Ask and ask others how you can serve and help and connect with mm. them. Um, yeah, yeah. our imagination for gospel groups, I think, um, is this idea that we can turn up for each other when, when things aren't going great, when we can celebrate for each other when things are going well. Um, I know this because I try and meet all of you and know everyone and know what's going on in your lives, and I can't. And so it's really important for us as a church family uh, for us to be in community in, in smaller groups where we can know what's going on and, and where you know when you've asked someone how they're going and they say, good, I don't always know when you're just telling me that so that I don't ask any more questions. Uh, but I would hope that people in your gospel group know you well enough to know that that good is just, you're covering it something. There's stuff going on. Because for most of us, there's stuff going on in all sorts of different seasons. There's always something happening. And I, I get this other imagination for our gospel groups too, and we've talked about it in the past as action and having action nights and action things in our groups. This idea that in our gospel groups, we can get together and pull our resource and pull our passions and think, how can we as a gospel group act as a mini city on a hill? Act together in, and collaborate together on being light in our community as a, as, a, as a gospel group. And there's been some great stories over the years of, of different things that have come out for that. And we just want to spark that imagination for, again uh, for you and your gospel group. But we also want to spark our imagination as a church. As a church, we have a, such a fantastic group of people, this real sense of family and neighborhood and mission. But I'd love to invite you to think about what ideas you have, what things we could do together that are really clear light in our community of the king and his kingdom that we live for and we live in. Uh, ideas like the one we've been working on for a while but is back on the table, like a social cafe over in Kesman Reserve. You would have heard me talk about this uh, over the years up here before, and we, we haven't got anywhere with it with council. Uh, but this year, it looks promising. It looks like uh, some ideas might be able to push through council this year. And some of our people here have got excited and coming to me and saying, we need to get this happening. It's a way for our community to put ourselves out there as an outpost of light in that neighbourhood to love and connect uh, and serve with our community. What other ideas do we have as a collective 
for local and global engagement? How can we work alongside Arthur and Tammy uh, over in Tanzania and learn from what they're learning from and ideas that they're sparking? How can we um, learn from one another in, in all the different ways that so many of you are volunteering and involved in different things in our neighbourhood? What does that look like? Yeah. I could keep going on imagination. Yeah, we probably should start to wrap up a bit. But basically, that's where we're going over the next six weeks. We're actually going to be talking about things like um, the village, so what it means to be family. We're going to talk about work. Um, we're talk about friendship. We're going to talk about rest and play yeah. and neighbourhood, neighbourhood and a few other yeah. bits and pieces like that. So I just want to encourage you today, that's what we're going over the next six weeks. So if you're a part of Richmond family, let's start thinking about this during the week. Start listening and looking and thinking about where this might land for you. It doesn't need to be this massive big thing, but I guess just trying to awaken our senses, <laughs> something we did last year, and be a bit more aware of it. And that's actually a really great example. We did this census series last year where we we're trying to practice some stuff here, but the idea was kind of to awaken ourselves so that we might be able to use it you know, day to day. And I know for me, um, the week that we talked about seeing and we had an art gallery at the back, and that's really not my thing usually, um, but, but having done that on Sunday and having talked about it and practised it together, as I was walking around my neighbourhood that week, I noticed all this street art that I must have walked past, you know, many, many times before, but I hadn't noticed because kind of my senses had been awakened and I'd, my mind had been attuned to think about that um, so that's probably the challenge for us at the moment. How do we start to think about this in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, at your school, in your community, um, with the people that you see and interact with, even just the people you randomly encounter day by day? Start thinking this week about how some of these connection points with other members of Richmond family could happen as a part of that um, and how it might be um, speaking... How what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks might be speaking into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. So next week, we're talking about the village, this idea that as different generations, as different, uh, some as young as Ben and some others a bit older than Ben is, uh, how we can do life together, how we can, as Andrew said, be uncles and aunties and grandparents and invest in the next generation uh, from the very young and the expectant, Ben and Soph, come on, um, uh, all the way up to all the generations, all the different age groups that we've got. What does it look like, not just for us to have the formal kind of gatherings in our kids and youth and things like that, but also for us to walk with um, kids and youth. So I'm just putting this out there to emphasize Andrew's invitation. Next week, um, we want to invite you and your kids especially. Um, we want to pray for the kids. We want to get alongside them. We want to identify with the kids, people in our church community um, that they already connect with. Uh, and we'll be putting the challenge out to all of us to think about that. We'll be praying for parents. We'll be praying for us all as uncles and aunties. Um, so please come along for that. And uh, Jules and I have some fun planned as part of that family party. So you know if Jules is involved, uh, you can have a guess of what's happening. But um, this week, and then we're going to do a little bit of this now, but this week especially, uh, we want to invite you to take note of some of the encounters and connections that you have, just to help awaken your awareness to the kinds of people that you connect with regularly, the connections that you have in the regular places that you're part of your work or your hobbies or whatever, um, your school or whatever thing that you're involved in, but also the encounters. Who are the kinds of people that you just bump into that you might not have uh, taken notice of before? Um, what does that look like? Just so take some time this week to be aware of that, to take note of that. You might want to write it down. You might want to text us. You might want to um, just record it in some way just to let us know about some of those kind of things and let yourself kind of wake up to that uh, in a way that I know we don't always do because I don't always do that. Um, we want to invite you to be more aware of your rhythms. How does your day work? How does your week work? And what, what would it look like um, if you were to take stock of your priorities based on your rhythms? Um, do you, what, what are you prioritising over some of these things that we're being invited into um, this week? What, does it, what would it take for you to make some adjustments in your intentionality and your rhythms and your posture and your sense of community this week? 
just to take stock of some of those things, your attitude towards others, your attitude to what, turning up at different things, your awareness uh, of what's going around, on around you. Is there anything else we want to invite them into? I think really we need to stop talking and maybe yes. invite other people to yes. have a conversation too. So that's the plan. Today we're not going to finish by singing. We're not going to um, finish by doing anything else from up front here other than invite you to stay for coffee uh, and some morning tea and then join us for the barbecue lunch for the rest of the day. Uh, but just for the next few minutes, we want to invite you, just with the people around you, uh, to maybe be a bit accountable about some of this, but also to ask some of your questions, talk about some of the things that it sparked in your imagination. Um, let me pray as we do that, and then we'll finish this way. King Jesus, we thank you for uh, all that you invite us into. We thank you for uh, the story of the kingdom that we read in the Bible, uh, the imagination it gives us for what could be and the way you're making things right. Uh, Jesus, I pray that uh, we might have a real sense of identity belonging to your global church, but also this local expression. What does it mean for us to be the church family uh, for one another and for others? And what does it mean to be salt and light uh, as a collective, but also as we're scattered out into the different spaces and places and people that we find ourselves with? We thank you that we get to have conversations, that we get to explore and think and ask questions we pray that you'll help us to have the courage to step into things, to make changes where we need to. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will open our eyes and our ears and our, our bodies to understand and sense and see and hear more of what's happening around us. And we pray that you'll help us to respond. I thank you so much for this family, for the fun we get to have, uh, for the ideas that we have, for all that we feel you're inviting us into. We want to worship and honor you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just spend the next few minutes chatting to one another and exploring some of these things.